0: Hey, listeners, ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The best part of spring cleaning is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless, and then Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data, unlimited talk and text, delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone and any Mint Mobile plan and bring your own phone number. Along with your existing contacts, ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. My team here, they're on Mint Mobile and they like it. For a fraction of the cost, Mint Mobile proved to have Excellent coverage with no drop calls or unsent texts. Plus, they make it super easy for me to activate my device just by following a few simple steps online. And bam, done. To get this new customer offer and the new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash literally. That's mintmobile.com slash literally. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month. at Mintmobile.com slash literally. Forty-five dollars upfront payment required, equivalent to fifteen dollars a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above forty gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Lily, I think it's possible that we've met each other, yes. but you would be so young that you wouldn't remember.
1: I was gonna say the same thing. I didn't think you'd remember. No way.
0: Hey everybody, it's literally and it's me, Rob Lowe. Um, well, listen, I might be the only man in the world that watches Emily in Paris. I know a lot of people watch Emily in Paris. It's a huge hit. Very huge hit. And I'm confident enough in my own masculinity to say that I watch Emily in Paris. I do. And the reason I watch Emily in Paris is because of Lily Collins, who is amazing. And I'm very excited about her movie Windfall. Um She worked with her husband, who directed it, and um, one of my faves, Jason Siegel, which I believe is on Netflix. She's super interesting, and she is on the show. She's not in Paris, as it turns out. She's on literally right now. You were born in in Surrey, but did you grow up there? Do you have memories of Surrey? Because it's one of my favorite places in England.
1: It's so beautiful. Yeah, I was born in West Sussex and deep 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 countryside apologies might Oh wait
0: that's <laughs> an amazing dog, dog. Redford. Tell me about <laughs> that dog. Character. He is so killer dog.
1: Oh, um my gosh, he's a I little rescue. Him. Thank you. Yeah, my husband and I adopted him pre-adopted before he was 8 weeks and oh. he's our our little pride and joy but you know, as, as in quarantine, he became a quarantine dog. So now he's just extra lovable. So he'll be joining us today. Oh, good. Good. Um, but yeah, I was born in West Sussex in England in the countryside. And I grew up there until I was about five, turning six. And that's when I moved to California. Um, but I still have my childhood house there that I that I was basically born at. Wow. And we used to, before before COVID, I would go back every... Christmas or New Year's and a couple times a year, um, but it's just so calming, and oh. you know, you're know, you driving down fields, and there's sheep and cows and farmland, and it really is. You can just breathe easily. The right? air is clean, and yeah, I love I have, it so much. I have
0: a kind of a, a, a fantasy that like, I could retire as a gentleman farmer to Surrey. I don't know if it's ever going to come to fruition. Oh, you it- totally could, by <laughs> the way.
1: I could totally see that. A right, gentleman my, farmer. I mean, you know.
0: With my tweeds and my wellies.
1: Yes. <laughs> you have to have the tweeds. You have to have the wellies and a family crest
0: of some sort. Oh, I made a phony baloney family crest.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> oh, sure.
0: Absolutely. A phony baloney family crest. I mean, come on. I and love
1: the, and, that. How regal.
0: And it's the pinky ring on the guys, right? In England. Oh, they yeah. Always, this is Americans. Like, we don't, you know, for, you, you, we don't realize these things until you spend time in England, which I've done so much because i've worked a lot over there but like i love the like the bros with their little it's the equivalent here of what would be the american equivalent it'd be it would be the the guys in the vineyard vines who back east that like are like wall street you know Oh, probably
1: right yeah exactly <laughs> old school like you have family generations and generations yeah. of people that have like lived there or the house that kind of has been passed along yes. or something like that yeah. oh yeah definitely
0: now what store did your dad your your grandpa own in Beverly Hills
1: Um, Tavelman's so my oh, mom's yes. dad um, yes. owned Tavelman's and it was a gentleman's haberdashery a
0: haberdashery Yes. that's where I would go to get my clothes as a gentleman farmer I'm gonna I would go to Tavelman's
1: uh, yes oh my god yes exactly you and the Marx Brothers, because the Marx Brothers also went there to to get their gentlemanly clothes. Yes. My mom uh, used to work in the store occasionally, I think like maybe like folding clothes, and my grandmother worked in the store as well on occasion. She was a ballerina, but she also would work in the store with them, and it was on Wilshire in Beverly Hills. Um, I remember it. And I want to say that it then turned into Nike years later, which seems very (laughs) odd. (laughs)
0: <laughs> or or, or but, absolutely um, perfect, depending on your view of society. Perfect,
1: yes. exactly the modern day haberdasher. Yes. Um. Yeah. So that that was cool.
0: Um. I I have so many good factoids. You met Princess Diana <laughs> when you were a toddler.
1: Legend has it there are actually photos that I've seen. Um. <gasps> it was at a Princess Trust event, and there is photos of it. But I was presenting her with flowers a bouquet of flowers and when she went to take them I then tried to pull them back away <laughs> um as you do you know I guess I just didn't know protocol um can't say that I do the same thing now but <laughs> yes when I was when I was younger I I did meet I did meet her
0: do you remember you you obviously remember it what, what I, like
1: very little i mean i also met or I was told that i met prince charles and we were playing with some toys that I had. And I think it was like a, a, a toy telephone um, or a toy car. I think it was, a, no, it was a toy telephone. And he was playing with me and I threw it at him
0: again, yes.
1: not protocol. You just don't no, do that.
0: You don't do that.
1: <laughs> but, as a, but as a kid, you're like, um, oh, I'm playing with you. I don't know. I don't know any better. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think I went to quite a few um, events and, and met really, really fascinating people but was probably too young to really have many memories but the memories i do have are always you know non-protocol ones <laughs>
0: um, now you are an actual debutante
1: i guess you could say i am oh no wait i, I the, just
0: i have to read because this is so good this is because i get so i get a <laughs> lot of i do a lot of prep for my from my guests and <laughs> this is the greatest she so was glad pre- this made it in oh i know you're like that rob low he asked me the worst questions <laughs> No, but I'm fascinated because with this stuff, because no one else is going to ask you this, and I'm obsessed with this. It's a, you were, and this is my favorite word, presented <laughs> as a debutante at the at the Ball de Debutantes in Paris yes. in 2007. <laughs> yes,
1: I I was. It, it, this is true. Um, it was uh, the Creon Ball, and it yes. used to be at the Creon Hotel. I don't really know where they take place anymore, but. I was asked, I was in high school, I think I was 18 years old. And you know what? When I signed on to do this, I I was doing it, A, because I was like, this is really cool to be asked. And B, I know that I'm gonna have some pretty crazy cool funny memories from this that yes. you just I just think I need in my life. Uh, yes, and it was it was pretty it was pretty special, I'm not gonna lie every, I mean, also like kind of just hilarious in a lot of ways. I mean, there was like waltzing lessons with your parents. There were, um, fittings with all the different designers. So every girl was dressed by a different fashion house. And so that actually began my relationship with Chanel because I was the young debutante chosen to be dressed in Chanel. And so it's, there's just all these elements as a girl who grew up loving fashion and loving, you know, to go yes. into kind of the archives and pick an outfit is, 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 is pretty wild. So did you but, go you to know. Chanel?
0: Did you go to the, pr- you're in Paris. It's a proper yes. Chanel So we house. were in
1: Paris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we went to the official, uh, the archives and you go to where, Co- you know, Coco's apartment and kind of where the archives are. And they just like opened them up and said, well, what? Looks nice to you. What looks appealing? What would you like to wear? And it was—it was really that kind of magical moment of this has got to be kind of a joke. Like this can't be real. Um, and so I, I picked the dress. We had the fitting, and I think I had another fitting after that. And I still actually have the shoes because they—they made shoes to go with the dress. And you're doing so much press during the day, which sounds weird. There, there were a lot. There was a lot of press surrounding this debutante ball. And you're running around the hotel from, like, room to room to do it and do, like, these shoots and stuff. But my dress kept getting caught in the elevator. So there'd be these, like, pieces of my dress everywhere. And there was even pieces of my dress on my shoes because they somehow got stuck to my shoes. So I have my shoes in this box somewhere that have all these remnants of the night on my shoes, which makes for a nice memento.
0: I'm hoping that you've pitched this as a, as a storyline for Emily in Paris somehow. <laughs>
1: Oh my god, that's a great idea! Right? I kind of love that. No, I haven't. Maybe it. Maybe you heard it here first.
0: <laughs> I mean, I just want. I want writer's credit because that's an episode I want to see.
1: It actually, it's kind of great because it's also girls from all over the world. Right. I mean, there were girls from every country there, so it would. It would make for a. It would make for a good episode, Rob. I'm not gonna lie. I kind of love this.
0: <laughs> will you tell Darren it was my idea?
1: I. You know what? I will, I'll play this episode for him. Oh my God. I love that. Well, why don't you just come to Paris and take part in it?
0: I know Darren (laughs) and I've been trying to find something to do for a billion years and we just have never found maybe, maybe this is, could I play the, uh, who's the guy, who's the king of the ball? Like who's the guy that runs the, uh, the
1: king of the ball, the
0: debutante ball. (laughs) (laughs)
1: You, of course. Um, there was, uh, you know, like a, a, a French lady who, who ran it, who was the one responsible for kind of gathering together all these different people. Um, and And then most, it's actually quite funny because most of the girls were presented alongside their chevalier, Ooh, who was either good. not like, I don't think there was any princes. I mean, I would have known about that, but they were kind of you know, young men that came from well-esteemed families or just different types of men from all over, young boys from all over the world that would like partner with a
0: girl. How did, okay, wait, I I gotta know about your Chevalier. So
1: my Chevalier, I'm still friends with, and he actually now runs um, Tatler Magazine in England. Uh, Yes, he is like the head editor-in-chief over there. And at the time he was writing for Tatler. His name's Richard Denon. He's a wonderful, lovely human. And we had the best time. We were kind of like the rock and roll duo of the ball. Um, Cause I think we had the most fun. This is the greatest. He, how is
0: this not a thing? <laughs> this is the, the more you tell it, like this is such a season finale. I'm not even, it's like unbelievable. <laughs> it's
1: really, that's so funny. I'm, you know, I'm going to pitch it. Yeah. I'm, not gonna, I'm totally, I'm going to take this conversation and, and run with it.
0: <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> the Chevalier, by the way, your show is, is, is populated with young men that look like chevaliers. I've never seen more good <laughs> haircuts on a television series in my life than, well, you on- know
1: what? Our hair department did just win best uh, hair in, in a limited series or mini series or um, TV show at their, and yeah, like at their Guild Awards. So I'm going to give them credit for those.
0: I watched that show. I'm like, okay, first of all, tell me <laughs> men's hair. Cause you know, I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with, with, With hair, men's hair more so even the women's hair, Um, and for and losing it and not wanting to lose it or people who have lost it or people (laughs) who haven't lost it that's a big topic of my (laughs) life. Um, And those young young chevaliers have manes. I mean, it's a thing. They do
1: have manes. They do have manes. Yeah, and you know our hair department is just so they're so wonderful at dealing with men's and women's hair because. You know, it takes a lot to be able to do both, and um, mm-hmm. maybe maybe that was something that Darren was looking for. I don't, I don't know, but you know, you're right. They do have great hair.
0: I have only shot in Paris once, and it was both maddening and so romantic. Mm. What is what's your because it's it's hard to shoot in Paris. Super hard to shoot in Paris. What's your your experience like?
1: I okay, so I've been to Paris many times before working there. But to become a resident of Mm. sorts while you're there for about four months is such a different experience in any country, Mm -hmm. let alone a city that you already feel like you know pretty well. Um, So, year one was very different than year two. In that year two, we were in the thick of a pandemic and quarantined most of the time and having to really stick to our cast and crew and not go out. And also, when we first got there, there were no other travelers. From anywhere around the world. Did it feel uh, super deserted? Were...
0: Was it shocking? Yes,
1: it was shockingly deserted. There was nothing open but supermarkets and pharmacies for the first couple weeks, um, and then things started opening up. And it was weird because the place where where I like, was living, where we were living, um, is was like in the the heart of an artistic haven yet during the pandemic everything was closed up so when i first got there it remi- it made me forget where i had chosen to have an apartment because it was so quiet that all of a sudden overnight when restaurants opened up again all these like doors and walls opened up and there were just heaves of people and i went where 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 are we like are you are we going home and my <laughs> driver was like your apartment's right there and i didn't even recognize the street because it had gone from nothing to hundreds of people in the span of hours when they finally reopened everything. But I I really love working in Paris. It's hard because this show is, it it is demanding. It's it's a lot of hours. It's a lot of moving around from place to place, a lot of costume changes. Um, But to find yourself in a place like Versailles or even just a a back alley that's so beautiful, and you're just going, how is this not just a set created on the back lot? Like, it looks too real. It looks too fake sometimes because it is so beautiful. But I feel really lucky. And
0: When I watched the show, I was like, oh, yeah, it's a green screen. Right? And you're like, nope. Oh, because it looks... No, can't it's, believe it. it's
1: shocking. It is pretty wild. We were able to actually go to all the locations we were, especially during the pandemic. But I guess that's just a Darren Star show. And one one also that the city... And in the French people have so embraced the show that we feel so much love and support when we go there. And the French embassy in the United States is so supportive. And so it really feels like we've been able to partner with the city in a lot of ways. It's, it's really fun. I'm, I'm really excited to go back. And I love our cast and crew so much.
0: And by the way, for, for those of you who don't know, Darren Starr, who we're talking about, created uh, 90210 and and many and a few other great ones that I'm missing that I'm not remembering at the moment. Have you been to the uh, um, American embassy yet? Have you had a reason to go there?
1: So, we, no, I have not. I've been to the French embassy, <laughs> right. um, but I have not yet been to uh, the embassy in France. It's amazing.
0: No. It's so beautiful. Is it
1: stunning? Oh, it's uh, so well, pretty. maybe Emily needs to go there too. Or you just, you're just pitching all the ideas.
0: And then I think <laughs> we need to do an episode about Louis... La La Mie Louis, the, the, which is that restaurant that that every American wants to go to when they go to Paris, which has all the chickens.
1: Oh my god! I don't even know about this place. Wait a minute!
0: Come on, you have to know this. I restaurant. I have
1: never heard of this place. Get
0: okay, La Louis. Friend, <laughs> I'm of, so not cool. So, friend okay, of Louis. La Louis. Okay,
1: La Louis. Oh, I'm, I've literally never heard of this.
0: By the way, and it's dope. It's so, it, like the gigantic slabs of pate like slabs oh of pate and 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 roast chicken french fries salad b- fresh vegetables and there's only like nine tables and it's every oh my Amer- God. It, it's this every american crazy. who's in paris yeah it's insane
1: i have not
0: wow but it's so iconic it would be like if you it would be like if you were shooting sex in the city and 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 hadn't and hadn't done a scene in times square <laughs> where else can you go surfing and skiing in the same day or check out a world-class art museum and camp out under a brilliant night sky same day or hike through the redwoods and get a luxury spa treatment there's only one answer california no matter where you go across this state you will find a way to play i look i love california um And I have not yet surfed and skied in the same day, although I do do both. So that is on my bucket list. It's the most beautiful place in the world. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. You know the only thing I ever let interrupt my podcast? My dog. Take a minute now, please. Pet your dog while you learn about Bark the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. Every toy is tailored to your pup's size and play style, from squeaky plush toys from BarkBox to ultra-tough, durable ones from Super Chewer. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin, And sweet potato, each box is inspired by a new theme and comes with fun surprises for you and your dog. For a limited time, they'll double your first box of goodies for free. I love making my dogs happy. Love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. And my dogs are obsessed with their chewable toys. BarkBox offers treats keep my dogs healthy and amazing new toys that keep my dogs entertained. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash Rob. So I came home to a little gift in my bathroom the other day from our friends at Harry's. To get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. You know who challenged the status quo? Harry's. blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at com slash rob. That's com slash rob for a $3 trial set.
1: I grew up speaking French, but I stopped practicing it because I wasn't in school anymore and I didn't have homework. And then my little brothers who are half Swiss, um, their I mean their English became so good, better than my French, that I just stopped speaking to them in French, lost the confidence. And then yes. I was cast as a girl who knows nothing uh, yep. about the French language or culture. And so I'm kind of being encouraged to not know much, and, right. you know, as the character. And it made it difficult for me on weekends to practice it because... I was just, there's so much dialogue during the week that I just like wanted to relax. But season two, I started picking it up again and I even started dreaming again in it. Cause when I was a teenager, I started dreaming in it cause I was pretty fluent. Wow. Um, but yeah, I just, I really need to dedicate myself season three to getting a lot better.
0: Did you find what, what I, what I find with a language like that, that you you knew fairly well and then have it's atrophied that, um, r- I can read it still better than I can speak it. Yeah, I could read a French paper and 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 be I think probably at least eighty percent. Like you know, that's um, amazing.
1: I yeah, you know what? I agree. I I can read it. I can um, I can pick up more from what people are saying, yep. but then when they like turn to look at me, uh, uh, <clears> it's like yeah, the and conjugations and the like. Yeah, I freeze because then all of a sudden there's this expectation.
0: You have this where all of a sudden, like without even thinking, you just blurt something out, and you was, oh my god, I just said that in French.
1: Yes, and so my husband over the summer was, we would we would go somewhere, and all of a sudden I'd just say something or order something or or say, oh, that means that to him, and he'd look at me and be like, you do speak French, and I'm like, I don't. It's just like that was just like fluke, and he's like, it's it's actually not because every time we go out, you do the same thing, Mm -hmm. and you help me so much, and I'm like, oh. I mean, I guess, kind but, uh, of, but I just don't want to dedicate to the fact that I do because then I feel like there's an expectation for me to understand well, it all Well,
0: that gets us to the other great thing. It's perfection because you, probably a little bit like me, are like a perfectionist and a worker and a doer. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about I'm a you, doer. But I, I certainly don't want to be affiliated with anything that's less than perfect. So I'm not going to try <laughs> my French. I, I suffer from what I, one of my many therapists, um calls and we've we've named an ikea complex and i and i'm i'm going to try to get that out in the public as a as a a diagnosis i want this to be in the ama journal of diagnoses one day so here's my here's here's what i i I say it is an ikea complex for me like the nightmare of nightmares would be having to do anything having to do with ikea because it involves following directions and assembling something (laughs) And that is my idea of a living hell. Like this nut screw goes into hole number four, which is followed by this right angle. And if I feel like I can't do that, if I feel like I can't do it perfectly, I don't even want to try.
1: I can understand that. I mean, here's the thing, though. I, I, I like baking for the reasons almost that you're saying you don't like that IKEA complex, because it's just basically saying, do this, do this, do this. If you do it well, you should equal a cookie. Yes. So I I like the therapy, like it's quite therapeutic to have such specific instructions that s- should seemingly be foolproof, in that in the rigidity of it, you yeah. can kind of then lose yourself. And mm-hmm. I and I do kind of like that. But at the same time, with what you're saying, it's like if you don't do it well then you're like how did i not even do that it's got specific instructions like now i feel even sillier that i haven't been able to do it so it's kind of a catch 22 it's like if you do it well you're like oh that was so nice and therapeutic and if you don't do it well it's like how did i mess up the instructions when they're very clearly marked it's like it could be even more frustrating so that i i totally get that
0: baking it's funny you mentioned baking because i have so i have a number of friends who have gotten super into it and it's not even about It's exactly that. It's the, it's the meditative therapeutic. It's not even Mm -hmm. about, they want to, they want to, they love cookies. So they want to bake. It's that, that they are getting something, you know, inner out of, out of, out of doing it.
1: Yeah. And I also really like, I I like the idea that I can bake something that I can then bring to someone to show that I care, whether I'm going just for like a, a dinner or it's, you know someone's birthday or um it's i'm just thinking of you it's it's like an act of, of caring an act of it's like um an act of service right it's something that i like to do and to be able to um surprise people that something can taste good is that i've made is kind of a win like my little yes. brothers when i was i baked them cookies a couple of years a few years ago now but i made them vegan. So they weren't real chocolate. It was like carob or something. And I, I, I did it to see what their reaction would be to see if they'd even be able to tell. And they ate like the whole batch. Mm. And then I told them and they couldn't believe that it wasn't real chocolate. And so to me, it was like this, this kind of win of um, it's like a puzzle piece to make it happen because you can't use the right ingredients that you normally would. And yep. then also to be able to make something taste good that people wouldn't necessarily think would, especially like little kids. It's fun. It, it definitely is meditative, though.
0: Um, I was told that you learned to surf recently. Is that true?
1: I did. My husband's been surfing since he was um, a little kid. Oh, I love
0: it. Me too. Uh, he and I—we uh, got to go surfing. Come to come to California. We'll go surfing.
1: He grew up in Ojai, uh, oh, in California. So, we, and so I,
0: I grew up. In, I'm in Santa Barbara. So I promise you, he's surfed the same breaks I have. We're I promise literally
1: you. up there all the time in Santa <laughs> so Barbara. Funny. It's so funny. Yeah. So like. Rincon and all uh, of yeah. those places. I'm going like,
0: to I am literally uh, going to Rincon after this after we finish this podcast. I'm going. I oh might surfboard you car. I'm going to RingCon.
1: That's so funny. Yeah. So I got to know all of these places through dating my husband. And then during quarantine, um, I mean, it's I've always wanted like I tried it once in my early twenties and I hardly count it because I like don't even know if I got up. Yeah. But then during quarantine, he's like, okay. I'm going to just teach you like I teach my nieces. I'm just – you're going to be on this, like, foam board, and I'm going to push you into the wave, and I'm going to tell you when to get up, and I'm going to make it really easy. Yep. And I was like, okay, well, fine. And then we started doing it, and I'm still at the point where I need someone to help push me in and, like, tell me when to pop up. So, I, I can't <laughs> really, like, look behind me and say, like, there's a wave coming in, like, you know, yeah. 30 seconds, and then yeah. I, I have to get more used to it than that. But I had so much fun, and I actually – I got up right away and I was like, for me, it felt like I was surfing these epic waves. And then I got video footage of it and I look back at it and I'm like, okay, that looks like backwash. I mean, it's literally (laughs) like (laughs) two inches high, but I felt like I was on top of the world. And it was so wonderful because it was like this real, as you know, like mind, body, soul connection where you feel so strong physically and also like, oh, I did it. Wow. I was so connected and balanced and- kind of you were saying something before about the idea of I don't want to do something if I'm going to fail it yeah well surfing is the first thing in a long time as an adult that I've tried with with this not this notion of like you might fail and you might fail publicly Mm. (laughs) because there's like a lot of people on the beach right now Mm -hmm. um but it was freeing and I really liked it but I get cold really easily so I'm in like a Full on wetsuit, even yeah. if it's like really warm water. California is cold.
0: Is it? It's you know, not I, warm. No, I learned in warm. I usually recommend to people if you want to surf, it's it's super helpful to warm to learn where it's warm because that added yes. element of yeah. cold. It's hard enough to do, um, yeah. but I'll tell you, since the pandemic, everybody in the world surfs. Everybody, everybody, because it's the,
1: very true.
0: Oh, it's unbelievable! It's never been more crowded. <laughs> it's never been more of a yeah. scene, and I mean that's great because yeah. it's it's good. But it's it's not. You could tell your not husband for when you
1: want to go to god and you just want to catch a wave, and now all of a sudden there's all these people waiting to catch one too. Because yeah. that's the whole thing, also that I just don't understand is like surf protocol. Like if there's a bunch of people in the water and you all see the same wave, how do you know who has the right of way? It's terrifying.
0: It's the person, it's called the lineup, right? So it's a line. It is the person yeah. closest to where the wave first begins to break. Okay. That's there. And if you cut in front of them, then you are what is called in surfing parlance, a kook. kook. Yeah. You're a kook. A <laughs> kook.
1: I know that. Believe me. By the way, why oh my is it?
0: Oh it God. It, it, it's with all the swear words that exist. Why it's does kook so thing. It's But it's also so demoralizingly painful You kook it really, I'd rather be called a really fucker It really is I'd rather be called an <laughs> asshole But don't call me a kook
1: Yeah you know what It's kind of like a really It's like dweeb Yes Because it's like kind of like really demeaning Demeaning But at the same Ugh. time It just the way that it sounds It's like and, and because it's like K-O-O-K It's like kook Like it just sounds <laughs> It just sounds like you don't want to be told that you're that It's really And I totally get that that's no really one, funny. <laughs>
0: no one's calling you a kook.
1: I hope not. That's like that's like the second that I you know steal someone's wave and it, I, if I get called you know what actually if I get called a kook it might be like a rite passage because that means that I'm like that I have that I am somewhat of a surfing term because yes. right now I'm just like you know I just I, I'm just a bit of a blip on the radar out there but it's really fun.
0: It's super fun. I, I now do, um, I've, I don't prone surf anymore. Like in other words, I don't lie down on the board. I stand up paddle with the paddle and I surf the waves now. That's, oh
1: my God. You're one of those. That's so fun.
0: Uh, and it, Cause it's just a core workout all the time. Yeah. And those little yeah. muscles on your feet are firing your balance muscles that you don't even know you totally. have. It's like, it's like being on those half balance balls for yeah. you know two hours yeah. and then surfing on top of that.
1: I've seen, I've also seen the, um, I have one. Why am I going to forget what they're called? The hover one. E-foil. Yes. I've tried that. I've tried that. And, um, it, it's like my, the fear for me was falling into the blade. The thing, yes. you know, like that, that like terrifies me. I've tried it. Charlie's really good at it. But when you see people surfing I gotta meet that, Charlie. we got
0: to We got to rig up this you, Charlie I meeting, know. please. I know,
1: truly. You guys, I feel like you guys could get out there and yeah. like, spend hours yeah. i love watching it is fun and i finally can tell which one is charlie now because if you look out at the water and everyone's wearing the same thing yeah. it's really difficult at the beginning i was like which where i'm trying to cheer him on and i don't know where he <laughs> is and now i'm like oh okay he like you know is he goofy is he this is he that you know and you yep. like can can tell so now You're i goofy. feel like
0: listen I, to I, you with the surfing I know. pearl lance it's no
1: big deal it's no big deal is I, he goofy I, you know, i'm trying <laughs>
0: He's goofy. Um, tell me about the movie you're gonna do with him.
1: It's called Windfall. And he, along with Andrew Kevin Walker, Justin Later, and Jason Siegel wrote and conceptualized this movie to have the same feeling of this the feeling that we all felt during the height of the pandemic, which was feeling very stuck and claustrophobic in one space. Um, and the film kind of stems around that feeling while not being about COVID itself, but about that feeling of, of, of that stuck nature. And they conceptualized it over Zoom during the beginning of the pandemic. And I would, I would hear these conversations when I was in the other room. And um, then there became an outline. Then there was a script, a first draft, a second draft. And I would talk to Charlie about it. And I'd hear all about the story. And there's only three characters. Um, wife, CEO, and nobody, and all of a sudden, it got to the point of, like, casting, and I, um, all of a sudden, I became part of the conversations of casting, and uh, I had to give my thoughts on the character, and I kind of, they, it wasn't a given that I was going to be in this movie by any means, I just felt quite attached to the character, because I had heard about her from the beginning, and, um, and we shot it up in Ojai. No way. In one location, yeah, in one location, up in Ohi, um, last February and March, um, and so we all were essentially kind of quarantined up in Ohi. We had a very small crew, obviously small cast: uh, Jesse Plemons, Jason Siegel and I, and Charlie directed it, and it was it was so it was so crazy because you know it was the first thing that any of us, I think. I think any of us had done during the pandemic. Cause I went on to shoot Emily season two right after, but it was so nice to be in an intimate location where it was all heavily, you know, COVID protocol with masks and shields and all of that, but it still had that intimate feeling because it was such a small casting crew. Yeah. Um. But the, the strange ability to, have one location feel like so many different locations based on what scene we were shooting at what point in the story. Cause it really takes place over about a day and a half and um, we shot it in real time or in, you know, in, sequence, um, yeah. in sequence. Yeah. And so the more claustrophobic or kind of used to the space we felt, the more heightened the stakes of the movie we getting. Right. And then Charlie loves to do one location films um, and the location becomes a character in and of itself, yeah. but it's kind of a throwback to a Hitchcockian thriller type with dark humor. Um, I was really fun. It was a really fun shoot to do.
0: Jason's. Gr- I love Jason. We, Jason, um, and I did a movie called Sex Tape together with uh, Cameron Diaz, and and I and oh I oh my
1: god, of course, yeah. And I
0: did I didn't know him at all, and I just fell in love with the guy. He's so smart I mean, and so fun. I mean, so sweet. I, what people forget about him is like this is my one of my favorite sh- show business stories ever. Like I forget how it was, but he did something that the people at I think at Disney were compelled enough to bring him in and go. So what do you want to do, Jason? What what's your dream? And he said, I'd like to. Revitalize the Muppets. <laughs> I'm saying what Because Yeah, I want of
1: all the things. Of all
0: the things, he wants. It's and genius, did.
1: and he totally did.
0: He did, and it's so good that movie. Yeah,
1: he's he's so he's so sweet. He's so personable. He's so endearing, mm-hmm. and he's also so good and yes. so smart. And he's such a great writer. And he was, you know, to be partnered along him and Jesse Plemons in this movie. I, I just sometimes sat back and watched these two incredible actors go at it because their characters are, you know, they have big egos, they're really big characters Mm -hmm. in this movie and to see the two of them kind of go back and forth and spar and my character at the beginning is is more quiet and and reserved and and. My, my uh, outburst comes later. Um, but, you know, to, to kind of be in between the two of them and, and really watch how they work and are constantly trying new things and not afraid to step outside their comfort zone and in rehearsals, how collaborative and, and just the ideas that we would just think of in the moment and then that would spar on a new way that the scene was going. I mean, it their writing on the fly was really really fascinating to be a part of because I had never really been a part of something that was so collaborative in that sense. Usually you're you're given something and then you make the best of what's given and you give notes and you give ideas, but this was very much in the moment. Okay, so what do we want to say here? Do we want to do we want to just stick to this? Do we want to manipulate it a little bit? How do we feel in this space now? And so it was this kind of ebb and flow constantly evolving experience and to have Jason and, and Jesse there along for the ride with me was, it was really cool. It was a really, really special experience.
0: Shopping for humans is hard. Shopping for your dog is easy. Thanks to Bark. Every month we deliver toys and treats just for your pup. They deserve to be spoiled every month. At Bark, we send your dog a whole collection of toys and treats made just for them every single month. Whether it's our fun plush toys or our ultra-tough toys from Super Chewer, we give your dog exactly what they want. And for a limited time, we will double your first box for free. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash Rob. BarkBox is so convenient and delivers straight to your door and more importantly, right to your dog. I can't wait to try out BarkBox. My dogs need their toys, particularly the chewable toys. Sign up now at BarkBox.com Rob for an exclusive offer. This ad is now over. Let's get back to petting our dogs. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you've been listening to literally long enough, you'll know that I am a big believer in getting the help you need. Therapy has been a big, big, big part of my life. And something I think we should be all doing as needed, just like checking the oil on your car. I've spoken about this, and we all carry around different stressors, big and small. We keep them bottled in, and it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to get the things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. And switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest. With better help, visit betterhelp.com slash Lowe today to get ten percent off your first month. That's betterhelp H E L P dot com slash Roblo. I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high performance TVs. They're certainly out here there. But when I, when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's, I love it. And I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it, it is literally like being in a state-of-the-art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds. It is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. Sirius XM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle, music, sports, news, comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little, little Steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. So check it out today. It is the all electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6 to learn more. That is kia.com slash ev6 kia movement that inspires i need to know everything about the music video you were in with jared leto's 30 seconds to mars (laughs) city of (laughs) angels
1: you want to know everything Well, I was ultimately like cut from that music video. Come on! (laughs)
0: How dare they? How dare they? So
1: I've been in. I've been in. Um, I was in a music video. Bryce Dallas Howard directed me in a music Mm -hmm. video for MGMT. No kidding. Oh, M (laughs) eighty three my God. (laughs) Jesus. I loved MGMT. No, MAD3. It was a very, it was a super video for MTV. And so it was very cool and, and artsy and really, really fun. And I played this alien that came down
0: in high school
1: and like, and Bryce is incredible. And I just adore her. i I just, as a human and as a director, I just, she's a real force and I, I love her. Um, and then, but, but the, but the 30 seconds to Mars video, um, I was interviewed, I went through the whole, like, cause there's, a, it's a, you know, it's a music video, which I found really moving and powerful where they go down to Hollywood Boulevard and they're interviewing, um, all these impersonators and it's all about the Hollywood dream. And mm-hmm. I, I really love the song. I love the concept for the video. And then they were interviewing a bunch of different people for this kind of segment where they were splicing in conversations with people and. I I I did I went in for about an hour and did interviews, and then I was actually funnily enough at the Hollywood Bowl for the concert um, Thirty Seconds to Mars, and they were premiering the the video um, at the concert, and I was with friends, and I was like, Oh, cool! This is the video. Like I'm I'm in this video. This is so awesome. And then they play the video, and I wasn't in the video, and I was like, Oh, cool no worries. But it was like a funny, it was, I was like, I swear, I swear, I swear I did it. Um. So yeah. So that was the experience.
0: Is that the only time you've been cut, cut out? Because I have, I was cut, I, my very first movie was a movie called The Outsiders and when I yeah. finally went, when I finally went and saw it, almost, I was 80% of my performance was cut and I did oh not know God. it. So, I...
1: Oh, see, that's the hard That's the thing. It's, like, not being told.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Okay, The Outsiders I made in 1982. I dreamt last night... No way. ...that I had a conversation with Francis Ford Coppola about being cut out of the movie. Last night.
1: Whoa, that's trippy. See, it's still traumatic for you, though. Yes, it is. See, like, I... So, okay, yeah, the music video I didn't realize we were at the concert, but then I did a day on um Pop Star, that movie with Andy Sandberg.
0: Amazing um, movie.
1: It yes, um, so great, so funny. Amazing. Um, and I I loved everyone on that movie. It was so fun. I did this really cool day with Dave Franco, myself, Ryan Philippe, and um we, you know, it was like a mock. Film set, which was like hilarious, and yeah. we had this just really fun day where we improv'd at the same time. But and it's not in the movie; it was cut, It was totally cut out of the movie. However, Andy was so cool and told me beforehand. You know, I he said, "I'm really. I just wanted to reach out and tell you. You know, I'm so sorry. We had such a great time. Ultimately, there was just too much. It'll go DVD extras. You know. But I was like, you know what? Honestly, for me, it was about the experience of having fun with those guys being able to improv being a part of something okay you don't ultimately get to be in the movie because of editing but like at least they told me oh because that's like the horrible i've heard horror stories where people go to the premiere and they're cut out of the movie and i'm no, like No, i was How no, did i'm you telling you i end up there
0: the, i was at the premiere i was at the god premiere that's sitting there going, so
1: awful no wonder you're having dreams about it still that's terrifying it's scarring
0: And so, you know, in the ensuing years as as a producer or director, whenever I'm in the sort of filmmaker capacity, I always tell the actors always super nice. No matter how small the part is, I always call them and go, you know, listen. And there's a billion reasons why, you know, it happens. Of course,
1: Yeah. And you learn that more and more as you work in the industry. You just never want to find out publicly or at least like be warned. I mean, and how that person reacts is on them. But at least you've done the nice thing of like telling them. Like I, I just would like to know.
0: So insane. Um, where are you? Where are you right now? You're not in Ohio, are you? Or you're in Paris? Where are you?
1: No, 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 no. We're in LA, but we're okay. we're in the process of, of moving, and we're almost moved into our house. So we've been a bit nomadic for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we soon shall be settled, and we're very excited about that.
0: Oh wait, you played Fantine and. In... They and in the B- did. So the BBC what it was a f- was it an orchestra with you in front of, like how, what was the deal like I love So there was, Les was no Mis.
1: singing. It was a what? no singing oh, it the, version. It was, the it was version. a no yep. Yeah, it was only written um and then extrapolated into it was a it was a limited series and then they took the original material but then allowed for a little bit more exploration into the characters so more on Fontaine's backstory is to before she becomes a sex worker In her life changed. She got to fall in love and have a child, and you get to see her fall in love and, and um, the the brighter, lighter Fontine before she becomes uh, the devastatingly haunting character that everyone you know knows before far she gets more. the bad haircut. Before she gets the bad haircut, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and I did that with um, the BBC. Uh, and it was, it was an amazing experience, um, for, for many reasons, because as a, as a Brit to be a part of something on the BBC, especially something like Les Miserables was a huge, uh, yeah. kind of proud moment for me. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was, it was wonderful. And David O'Yellowo um, yeah. is Javert and it was, yeah, it was really cool. Oh, and Olivia Coleman. Played Madame oh. Nadier. I mean, we had amazing. It's, yeah, uh, we had a um, Dominic West.
0: Dominic West. Um,
1: yeah. yeah, we. It mean, really was. It really Great was people. an incredible cast. Yeah, and Josh O'Connor. Actually, what's funny is that um, Josh and Olivia, or Olivia, was already cast as the Queen in The Crown when we were filming, and I was a huge fan of The Crown, and I was grilling her asking her questions but she was like sworn to utmost secrecy oh wow couldn't tell me anything and then josh was auditioning for prince charles during the making of bbc of our bbc show and so then i was asking him a bunch of questions um i mean it was so crazy it was like all these oh and aaron doherty who plays princess margaret no princess anne she was also in our show so it's like Everyone from our show went on to do the crown and I was like, um, I'm available. Hello. Um, <laughs> I totally would be in that. Uh, yeah, but it was, it was kind of funny that to be surrounded by that, that
0: scene in the crown where, where, where the guy breaks into the palace and sits at oh the my foot God. of the bed, ba- that, that, that sequence is beyond belief.
1: So good. So good. I'm so excited for the next season. Unreal. Yeah. Really, really amazing. So, so, so good. And the score, ugh, everything about it is so good.
0: Um, I know you were in it, weren't in it a ton, but you worked with one of my favorite directors, David Fincher, on Mank. Oh, my God. Right? How the crazy was it? was
1: incredible experience. Was it, it was okay, amazing. G- give
0: me a Fincher story.
1: So I was shooting Emily in Paris season one when I was auditioning for Mank. And um, I auditioned over Zoom. And it was the first time I'd ever heard of Zoom. And this is like pre-pandemic. I, just, yep. I was like, FaceTime, Skype, like, what is Zoom? Yep. So I do this Zoom. And um as we were auditioning, so it was after a long day of Emily and and I uh you know David came on the screen and I had set up everything. I had made sure that my Wi-Fi was working perfectly because my Wi-Fi had not been working perfectly. So I got a bunch of boosters from set and I was just like boosted up with like all my Wi-Fi. And David comes on, we're talking, and he's like, okay, let's like start doing it, and he was reading opposite me. And we do the scene. And then we stop and he starts to give me notes and then he freezes. Oh, He freezes on all the notes and then all of a sudden it unfreezes and he goes, okay, let's go. Oh no. And I'm like, I'm like, okay. So I didn't want to tell him because I thought, oh my God, this is just so annoying because it's been like 12 seconds of it. Like he's, this is, that's really inconvenient for me to say that. So then we do it again. And then he's like, okay, great. Oh, that was great. Okay. Um, and he was super, like, super animated and like just so lovely. And, and he goes, okay, let's do it again. And uh, and then he gives me more notes, and it freaking cuts out again. And every single time he gave me notes, it cut out. And then I would just pretend like it didn't cut out, and I would just do it again. I got off that Zoom, and I remember calling Charlie, going, I, I honestly think that that I just ruined like my Wi-Fi cut out. I probably didn't change much. I don't know how that went. I like I think essentially. My Wi-Fi ruined it for me, and then I got the part, and I couldn't quite believe it because I thought, "How how did I get the part without ever hearing the direction?" Um, and then I told David, and, and he found that very funny. But I just never, I never wanted to admit to it.
0: <laughs> it's an amazing story because as I, I as an actor, I have uh, I like I literally am in a cold sweat, cold sweat from hearing that story.
1: Uh, it's it's terrifying. I know. I was like I I honestly. It took so much to, like, schedule the Zoom, too, because it was, like, nighttime, daytime, morning. night. And then when I got the part, I had to fly back twice from Paris for 24 hours on a weekend. I had no days off for Emily season one because I was in, you know, every episode of the show. Or, sorry, every scene of every episode of the show. And so I would fly first thing on a Saturday morning after having worked all of Friday night, arrive Saturday, rehearse Sunday, fly back Sunday, arrived Monday, go to set Tuesday, so it was like twice within that time frame to to camera test to audition to everything, and I'm going from Emily, who is this most American being that you can be in Europe, to them playing a British period, you know, oh my woman. God. Um, and I was just like, "What the hell is going on right now?" But, but that's when you know uh, you're
0: no, that's that's those moments when they come up where you're like, "Yeah, it's happening. This is this is this oh is." God, I'm, I
1: literally take five flights. Like, I don't even care. I'll sleep later. Like, and by the way, I took so many flights to make that happen. And little did we know that right after we finished filming Mank, mere days, I think, then the pandemic hit and everything shut down. We didn't take a flight for a couple of years and we couldn't have done it. So I'm like, okay, (laughs) all right. I'm really glad that I did it. I would have highly regretted it for many reasons. Um, you
0: know, you know, the other thing about that story is, is it, um, I forget who told me this a great actor, I just don't remember which one it was, you know when a director gives you a note, you do the performance and then a director comes in and goes, okay, you know, I'm just wondering if I may give you a note and you don't agree with it or maybe you even think it's bad. Instead of getting into a discussion or God forbid, fighting with them over it, you just very politely go, I'll give it a try and then do exactly (laughs) what you want and 99.9% of the time they come back and go, That's awesome. Thank you.
1: A hundred percent. Because sometimes I think they're just saying, sometimes they're saying something to like try something else, but they don't necessarily know exactly what they want. So then they just want to see something different and at least just make a dedicated decision. It's kind of like the speaking French thing where you just need to like dedicate to having the confidence to, to doing it because ultimately like maybe you will say something that makes sense. As long as you carry it off with confidence, I'm sure that that, you know. It makes well, a you big difference. It. You did
0: it with David Fincher. It doesn't get any bigger than that guy. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, thank well, you. This is good. I'm looking for, so season three is done on Emily or no? What are you doing it now? No,
1: we, we have to, um, I, think, I think it'll probably shoot this summer or something. So we're, we're, we're kind of waiting to hear, but.
0: How many episodes do you guys do in a season?
1: 10. It was like four months. Right. It's a long time.
0: L- at least you know what the season opener or finale will be.
1: I'm going to go pitch that right now.
0: And the Chevalier.
1: (laughs) With the good hair.
0: Well, you already have that. I mean, Jesus, those guys, they all have such good (laughs) hair. It's unbelievable, the hairs, these guys.
1: Prerequisite.
0: Yeah. Exactly. That's a a Darren Star special. If you you don't have good (laughs) hair, you're not in the Darren Star universe. Well, thank you. This is great. I really loved having you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I am now going to go surfing. And, uh, and if I get cut off by Lily, I am going to call her. What am I going to call her? That's right. A kook. And now it is time to check the answering machine here in the studio of the Lowdown line. Hello, you've reached literally in our Lowdown line where you can get the Lowdown on all things about me, Rob Lowe. 323- three, 570-4551. So have at it. Here's the beep. Hi,
1: Rob. This is Tracy Tenman. I am from Phoenix, Arizona. Prior, I was from Seattle, Washington. Huge fan, of especially of the 80s movies I loved about last night. Question is, um, your brother, Chad Lowe, I used to see him in more movies. I don't know if he's doing more production work, but why not a movie with Rob and Chad Lowe in it? I think that could be really fun to see you guys work together like you do with your son. So that's my question. Are we going to see any productions with you and your brother? Thank you. Love the
0: podcast. Love your books. Bye. Well, thank you so much, for first of all, for listening and for enjoying the books. Um, here's what uh, is interesting. I think you may have seen a number of Rob and Chad productions and maybe not known them, because Chad Lowe is one of the leading television directors and has directed multiple episodes of 911 Lone Star, coincidentally, directed the first episode that my son, John Owen, wrote. And that was, if you're a Lone Star fan, it was last year's crossover episode um that involved the big wildfire written by my son directed by my brother um and chad does act but not as much anymore he's really focused on the directing but i'd like to get him back in the makeup i mean you know chad low in makeup is a thing to behold and uh i think we need to figure out how to do that so um we've always been trying to find something and i'm sure that we will at some point but um i love that you're a fan and i will pass it on so listen um don't forget uh to subscribe to the show don't forget also, um, if you're a Parks and Rec fan, we've got Parks and Recollection. It's pretty great. We go through every single episode. Total comedy classic. Be sure to check it out. And I'll see you next week on Literally Kook. You've been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe, produced and engineered by me, Rob Schulte. Our coordinating producer is Lisa Berm. The podcast is executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Jeff Ross, Adam Sachs, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. Our researcher is Alyssa Grawl. Our talent bookers are Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. And music is by Devin Bryant. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Literally. With Rob Lowe. This has been a Teen Cocoa production in association with Stitcher. True or false? Walmart has eye care. True. Stop by Walmart to save and browse top designer frames right where you already shop. And they accept most insurance. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart.